cried out to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our wretched condition, our trouble and our oppression. So what triggered God's action mode, which was different than before? Injustice. Injustice God and gets God's attention. Why is that? It's because of Shemot 2 verses 23 through 25 which says this. Now it came about in the course of those many days that the king of Egypt died and the sons of Israel groaned because of the bondage and they cried out and their cry for help because of their bondage ascended to God. So God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. This is why you see this example here. You see the example when Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed through actions of God, through injustice is occurring. This is why prayer and intercession is so important, so critical in these times of trouble. It is important to be calling out to God's throne, acknowledging what's going on in the earth, and, and bringing it to God's attention as to the injustices that are going on that are around about us. This is key. It is key for the Messiah to come. It is why we say every week in Revelation 22:20 the following. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Yeshua. This is why we call out for him every week because we recognize that we have to bring that out, that we need the Messiah to come back. Acknowledging him because of the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yohevahe is a God who loves those to whom he makes promises and is merciful and he is faithful to bring those promises to pass through his actions. So now, let's go back some 2,000 years ago when another change occurred in the manifestation of God. How many know God came in the flesh? How many know that? How many? He did come in the flesh, right? Okay. So, by then, Yohevahe had became associated with signs, and we saw that the movement of that word Yohevahe, which was really only be used by the high priest and those that were in the inner circle because of the power behind uttering, literally uttering the name of Yohevahe, miracles actually occurred. If you've heard my teaching on the power of the name, you'll, I get into a lot more detail around that. But there was a transition from Yohevahe to the next name of the manifestation of God. So we see these signs that occurred around Yohevahe. We see signs of people calling on Yohevahe. I will tell you as believers, that is not the name, that's the only one I'm going to draw your attention to this morning, that is not the name you're supposed to be calling upon Yohevahe for signs and miracles and wonders because that God has manifest, now manifests himself in a different nature, in a different way. And how many know what 
that is called today. Yeshua. Jesus. Yeshua. 1 Corinthians 1, 22-23 says this. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. See, that the sign of those words were important to Jews. Greeks were more tied up with wisdom. That hasn't changed even today. Mark 8, 11 through 12 says this. And the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, demanding from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sighing deeply in his spirit, he said, Why does this generation demand a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Up until then, all things related to God was physical, not spiritual. Up till then. It was external, it was not internal. The concept of spirituality was a foreign concept in those days. But God intended to internalize who followed him through acceptance of Yeshua and with the infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh. John 18, through 37 says this. Therefore Pilate entered the praetorium again and summoned Jesus and said to him, You are the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you saying this on your own or did others tell you about me? Pilate answered, I am not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting, so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Therefore Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly that I am a king. For this purpose I have been born. And for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Yeshua had to come to allow for the transition from physical, because the physical was to die, the physical is to perish. And how do we know that? Because of what happened with Adam and Eve in the garden, correct? How many know physical has to perish? There had to allow for a transition from physical to spiritual worship of the one living God. There was a transition that Yeshua ushered in, a manifestation of God which is different where the one living God would be worshipped no longer physically but in spirit. John 15, 21 through 27 says this. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sinned. But now they have no excuse for their sin. The one who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would not have sinned. But now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well. But this has happened so that the word that is written in their law will be fulfilled. They hated me for no reason. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of Truth, who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. And you are testifying as well, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now this was the prelude to a new manifestation of the one Lord. A one of promise. A one of action. A one of miracles. 
and a one of relationships. A promise of a Messiah that was to come. Ephesians 1, 17 through 21 says this. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and that is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. As a result, we see a new nature of our one Lord through Yeshua, through Jesus, but it now requires action on your part through faith and belief to see him in all his totality. Let's look at some of these verses Psalm 138 verses 2 through 3 says this. I will bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your mercy and your truth. For you have made your word great according to all your name. On the day I called, you answered me. You made me bold with strength in my soul. Thus Yeshua is, I am. John 8, 53 through 58 says this. You are not greater than our father Abraham who died, are you? The prophets died too. Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me of whom you say he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I follow his word. Your father Abraham was overjoyed that he would see my day, and he saw it and rejoiced. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. And he proved it. John 18, 4 through 6 says this, Jesus therefore, knowing all the things that were coming upon him, came out into the open and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus, the Nazarene. He, he said to them, I am he. And Judas also, who was betraying him, was standing with them. Now then, when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And many of you have heard my teaching about that, that when, when somebody falls to the ground backwards, that is what? Judgment. When they fall forwards, it is what? It's submission to the one living God. Backwards judgment, forwards one living God. 1 Corinthians 15, 45 through 49 says this. So also it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living person. The last Adam was a life-giving spirit. Stop, because this is going to be important. I'm going to get into this more. But just think about this. The first Adam was what? Created by God, let us create man in what? Our image. First Adam, right? Now, what about the second Adam, which is the last Adam? What happens? He's a life-giving spirit. Flesh and spirit, different. Flesh perish, spirit is life everlasting. Continue on. 
However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. And you're going to see this important. Yeshua expands upon this. Go ahead. The first man is from the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy one, so also are those who are earthy. And as is the heavenly one, so also are those who are heavenly. Just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we will also bear the image of the heavenly. And 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says this. For since by a man death came, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But that alive. second Adam who is spirit brings back the flesh together and both are raised in the resurrection in the days to come. Romans 5, 20 through 15, or 12 through 15 says this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind because all sinned. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not counted against anyone when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the violation committed by Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the gracious gift is not like the offense. For if by the offense of the one the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. And finally, Romans 5.17 says this, For if by the offense of the one death reigned through the one, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So now, let's look at the historical accounts of the new name. Acts 4, 5 through 12 says this. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes were gathered together in Jerusalem. And Annas the high priest was there, and Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and all who were of high priestly descent. When they had placed them in the center, they began to inquire, By what power or in what name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for a benefit done to a sick man, as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name, this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among mankind by which we must be saved. And that name is? The nature, the manifestation, this is God's manifestation for us today. But unlike past, you need to have an internal relationship with him that becomes externalized. It's an internalization that becomes externalized. Or otherwise, you'll result in having judgment in the end of time. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. John 15, 14 through 15 says this. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? In your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you slaves, for the slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. That power of the name is no longer held by a small group that was charged with overseeing the tabernacle and overseeing the temple. And it is this relationship with God and us that he manifests himself to us today through promises, through actions, through miracles, and our relationship with him. Now that's, and this is the example of progressive manifestations. So what are you to call him? Let's go back to the name. What should we call him? Should we call him Yeshua? Should we call him Hashua? Should we call him Joshua? Should we call him Jesus? What is right? What gets God's attention? What if you call upon the wrong name? Does God not hear you? Should we call him by another name? Should we call him by the great one? Should we call him by the name that that false teacher that was in front of Congress named him in front of everyone else, naming all the gods? Is that who we're supposed to call him by? Another name? John 19.20 says this. And this should ring in your spirit when you hear these things um, uh, as we begin to progress through the rest of these chapters. Listen to this. John 19 verse 20 says this. Therefore, many of the Jews read this inscription because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and in Greek. Three languages were over the cross. If you spoke Greek and the name, a Hebrew name was over that cross and you walked up to that cross and didn't understand Hebrew, would you know who was being crucified? You wouldn't. You had to know one of the languages. Think on this. What happened at the Tower of Babel? Think about it. Who, what happened at the Tower of Babel? Who created the languages? Well, I'm not going to assume that, that uh, you know. So let's look at Bereshit chapter 11 verses 1 through 9. Now all the earth used the same language and the same words. And it came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. Then they said to one another, Come, let's make bricks and fire them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven. And let's make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered abroad over the face of all the earth. Now the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the men had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they have started to do. And now nothing which they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore it was named Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, 
And from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So, who created the languages? God created the languages. Okay. So, let me ask you another question. Something else to ponder. Since we're in pondering mode this morning. How did you receive your salvation? What language did you hear the good news of Yeshua and accept his testament, his testament, his gospel? What name do you call upon when you're in trouble? What name comes to your mind first? As we saw, God created all languages. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says this. He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the protected ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And Isaiah 56 verses 6 through 8 says this. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to attend to his service and to love the name of the Lord to be his servants, every one who keeps the Sabbath, so as not to profane it, and holds firmly to my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called the house of prayer for all peoples. The Lord God who gathers the dispersed of Israel declares, I will yet gather others to them, to those already gathered. Okay, how many in here, your first language is English? Now, turn to your person sitting next to you and say, well, that's debatable. <laughs> Let's look at this. Acts 2, 1 through 11 says this. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting, and tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves, and a tongue rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with different tongues, as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. Now there were Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together and they were bewildered, because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. You hear that? They're all speaking in their own language, right? All together. Go ahead. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speak, speaking in our own tongues of the mighty deeds of God. So now you have the answer. You decide what you call your king, your Messiah. You decide what you call the one living God. In your relationship with him in your relationship with Yeshua in your relationship with Jesus and in what setting you call upon his name 
depending upon the action that is necessary at the moment. So, one final thought I want to leave with you today to sort of have you think about where we are. Genesis, Bereshit, chapter 1, verses 26 to 28 says this. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. The first Adam was to populate in the flesh, to be fruitful and to multiply in the flesh. And all of us are part of that multiplication and that fruitfulness that started all the way back to Adam in the flesh. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. But the eleven disciples proceeding to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The first Adam was a flesh Adam and he multiplied and was fruitful in the flesh. But the second Adam was to populate in the spirit. The second Adam came to populate in the spirit. Now as a result of these two verses and what I've talked about this morning, you should have a new, you will look at, I believe you will look at these verses we're going to read next in closing. And you will look at them in a different way and they will mean to you something different on living forever. John 3, 1 through 6 says this. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. People, you need to be born again. You need to be born again in the spirit. And for those of you that are born again, you need to be spiritually fruitful and spiritually multiply as Yeshua instructed us 
in these verses. And you need to share the good news. You need to share the gospel. You need to share the, the, the uh, testament of Yeshua, of Jesus, especially in these end days, to be fruitful and multiply so more will be reborn in the Spirit. Amen? It's our duty to praise the Master of all, to ascribe greatness to the author of creation. For he's made us unlike the nations of the land and has not placed us like the families of the earth. He's not made our portion like the air and our lot like the, their multitudes. And we bend the knee and bow and acknowledge our thanks before the King over kings, the Holy One, blessed be he. He stretches out heaven and establishes earth's foundation. And the seat of his glory is in the heavens above and the presence of his powers in the most exalted heights. He is our God, there is none other. True is our king, there is nothing beside him, as it is written in his Torah. And you shall know this day and take to your heart that the Lord, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. There is none other. Amen.